Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brebber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are continuing our NBA season preview content. Going to be breaking down the Northwest division for you all. We tackled the Southwest just the other day. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. But Logan, as we always do here, I will defer to you to start things off. Who do you have winning the Northwest? Yes, I mean, there's kind of only two horses in this race, if we're being honest with ourselves, to win this division, and it's the uh, it's the T-Wolves and the Nuggets, uh, and I think I think Denver's going to obviously be a lot better uh, this season with the return of Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, but uh, I'm taking the Minnesota Timberwolves to win the Northwest. Uh, I have them finishing as my four seed and finishing uh, at 50-32, and 32. Um, and obviously the big acquisition is, uh, is Rudy Gobert. Um, you can say what you want about... Um, his salary, you can say what you want about his perimeter defense. Gobert is a uh, walking top five defense. There were no plus perimeter defenders in Utah uh, over these past. I mean, he's been single-handedly carrying this defense. I mean, you name. Carson, let me ask you this, starting out. Best perimeter defender that Rudy Gobert played with in Utah? Royce O'Neal, for sure. And yeah, I mean, that's just like, and I'm no hate to Royce O'Neal. He's a great, like, uh, rotational player. He's a great bench wing, but it's like, yeah, he's playing with Royce O'Neal. Like, that's the best perimeter defender he has. He's been single-handedly carrying that defense uh, for years now. We all know that he is the best, uh, arguably the best rim protector in basketball, arguably the best defender in basketball. I wouldn't go that far. I probably prefer guys like Bam Adebayo um, and Draymond Green, honestly, to Rudy, but he is a special, special defender. So I think uh, when you look at the uh, construction of Minnesota's roster, the 13th in defensive rating last season, they were average, but this was a team that was really predicated and really based on high energy, high effort, and making plays, and uh, and so I think with adding in Gobert, I think that you have a lot of guys who are going to play hard around him, they are going to 
This is a team that made John ja Morant really struggle at getting downhill. It made made life hard on him in the playoffs in that first round. Granted, Pat Bev was here. He is no longer. But still, there are plus perimeter defenders here, and they gave up some in the trade. I don't want to undersell that. Uh, like Jared Vanderbilt in Utah, uh, he was very good. I like the acquisition for them. Um, but there are still really good plus defenders here. D'Angelo Russell has gotten a lot better. Jaden McDaniels is a good uh, defender overall. So I think it's a better situation for Rudy, and I think this is going to be a top-10 defense. Uh, and I think you talk to any Timberwolves fan, I, I always harp on this, but they always talk about how much D'Angelo Russell has come along as a defender and as a leader of this defense. So I think on the defensive side after adding Gobert, I think the – I don't know if the Towns-Gobert fit, you know, Towns moving, sliding over to the four, if that's going to be weird, Carson, just because – I don't know if Towns is a more natural four. It's – some guys are going to be quicker than him. I think that's a little janky, but they should be strong on the glass. They should be strong on the defensive end. Offensively, Carson, are you worried at all with the addition of Rudy and what a negative he is on, on that end? Like, does he make – I don't want to phrase this wrong. Does he make Minnesota worse on that end, in your opinion? It's an interesting question. I wouldn't refer to him as a negative offensively. I think it's all a little bit more nuanced than that because – what we tend to see happen with Rudy is that when it really comes to winning time, when you're in the playoffs against really good teams that generally have some lineup versatility, they do one thing, and that is go small. So now, although Rudy is a pretty good switchable big, you are taking away by far his greatest impact, which is otherworldly rim protector, by forcing him to guard a floor spacer. And on the other end, you're pretty confident that if you put a six seven six eight guy on him who's reasonably strong... Rudy can't do anything there, right? He cannot attack a switch. He cannot bully a guy out of a post. All he can do is catch a lob, roll to the bucket effectively. And he's a really efficient finisher. He's a really great screener. Those are reasons why I would never classify him as a negative player offensively. But he's an exploitable and a very flawed player offensively. And putting him alongside another center, you think, well... That could certainly be an issue, especially when the offense of that other center is such a high priority. I mean, Cat has been the offensive centerpiece here, and unless Ant takes a significant leap, which is very possible, and probable even maybe, but last year Cat was the best offensive player on this team, and he might be again this year. The thing is, and what I talked about initially with the Gobert trade, why I don't think it's a massive issue, is Cat is so versatile in the amount of ways that he can initiate offense, right? Like, attacking in isolation from beyond the arc obviously we know his ability is a pure shooter of the basketball how comfortable he is out there but also getting people with the pump fake and the drive and then now he's getting into the lane himself Rudy will be in there now maybe that presents some issues he's a really good passer though and in some ways it can be interesting it's like are we going to see a drop-off game from him to Rudy like how does he deal with that help is he gonna be throwing lobs to Rudy I don't know that could be interesting like seeing a new dynamic added to Cat's passing so it's not an ideal fit. It's certainly not an ideal fit. I don't know that it is on either end of the floor because although you want a great rim protector on any defense, Cat guarding fours isn't going to be great. Just like Cat playing with a five on offense isn't going to be great. But at the end of the day, it's a talent aggregation that is overall a benefit to the team, in my opinion. So... Yeah, I think we're going to see some weird moments offensively. I still think Cat is going to, for the most part, thrive because of how versatile he is. And I think that Gobert is a guy who now presents a really good screen man, screener, and, you know, an athletic, crazy, big, long roll man for D'Lo and for Ant. 
So it's not like we're looking at a disaster here. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that there is, like you said, I think there is promise in certain aspects of Gobert's game. And hopefully, because towards the end there, man, uh, it was really toxic in Utah. You know what I mean? Like, Gobert would be looking on some of those post And he's not a great finisher, right? Like, he's he's a very efficient player. He's always very close to uh, the league leaders in true shooting percentage. Um, and sometimes he can believe those matchups. But you saw in Utah, they would not go to him in any situation, no matter who was on him you know, Mitchell Clarkson, whoever it is, waving him off. I think there is a dynamic to look forward to here for him as a lob threat, as a role man, as a guy that just is trusted a little more here in Minnesota than he was and hopefully has a little more leash. And also, because of the offensive talent that's here, and I'm not saying that Utah didn't have uh, comparable offensive talent, but there's a lot of talented guys here. Malik Beasley, uh, oh wait, did Beasley get moved? No, Beasley's in Utah. (laughs) No! No! Dude, Beasley was like, uh, I think he was like uh, near the league leaders in catch and shoot. Um, I think he was like the league leader in uh, made catch and shoot threes. Um, that sucks. Anyway, Malik Beasley's the first guy that I bring up when I talk about offensive <laughs> talent in Minnesota. Um, Anthony Edwards comes back, D'Angelo Russell, man, Cat. I mean, there's a lot of offensive talent here where I think that, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of tension on Gobert. It's going to be hard to defend this team. And if you do make that switch, I think. Hopefully they, they trust him a little more. You know, we know we're getting it offensively out of Gobert, but hopefully um, there's some more opportunities for him as a lob threat out of the pick and roll. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Minnesota also brings in a guy like Kyle Anderson here. Dude, I think the – I like Minnesota's rotation even more. They gave up a lot in Gobert um, in terms of just assets in general, depth, um, assets for the future and first-round picks, stuff like that. I do like the depth that they have here with a guy like Bryn Forbes off the bench even, Jalen Noel, Nas Reed. Um, Jordan McLaughlin gave them good playoff minutes, but they had Kyle Anderson, Austin Rivers is big depth guys. Like, um, I think slow-mo is going to be a very good bench player here. Um, so I'm excited. I think they got a little deeper. The big thing obviously though, is with Anthony Edwards averaging nearly 22 points a game last season. And we're just waiting for that star elite because he's got all of these raw tools, the athleticism, the explosiveness, the, um, the raw confidence, man. I love Anthony Edwards. He is, he shares a, I share a birthday with the kid. True. Um, he's also, he's just a character. I don't know how you can't watch him in press conferences and just fall in love with him. He's such a good dude, but on the court, Carson, I want to ask you specifically, how does Anthony Edwards take that star leap this year? How does he get, how does he improve on such a good sophomore season? I think he's already a star. I think we're looking at something more like an all-NBA or superstar leap because I thought he should have been an all-star this year, which is a rare thing for a second-year player, but he's literally one of the most gifted athletes I have ever seen on the basketball court. The combination of explosiveness, quickness, and strength and the willingness to embrace physicality coming downhill, it's really, really special. I think it comes down to two things, really. Consistency as a pull-up jump shooter and playmaking and then also I guess you would say defense because if he's going to be all NBA he's probably got to be a plus defender and he's been talking a big game on that front he came out and he said that he's going to go out and check the opposing team's best player every time and if he's not all defense he's going to be disappointed with himself this is Anthony Edwards the same man who said that he could be basically the greatest athlete in any sport he says a lot but at least that shows that in the preseason he's talking about being committed to that end well, I just want to add, I mean, of course, Ant's going to have a chip on his shoulder, especially after the Memphis series. I mean, you remember, I mean, it was the one of the biggest plays in the series where he gets beat, didn't he? Uh, what, he went for a steal on the inbound, and uh, Memphis yeah. goes up and scores really easily. So, yeah, I'm glad he has that chip on his shoulder. He should, because that was a, it's, it's a rookie mistake. It's a very young mistake. I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but uh, it was a big deal. Yeah. 
The most glaring weaknesses in, in Ant's game is probably still, I would say, his in-between game, his mid-range efficiency, his lack of a reliable floater, just the touch in there. But I don't know if he even needs that to become all-NBA level because we saw what he did in the playoffs. In that series, he shot 40% from deep. He's taking almost 10 a game. A vast majority of those are pull-ups. And now he's a 25-plus point-per-game scorer for you who's capable of being the best player on the floor in any game out there with John Morant and Carl Anthony Towns. Because when he does that, there is a level of physical imposition and perimeter skill that really very few people around the league can match. So I think it's about continuing to maximize the value of that when it comes to setting up your teammates. Yes, rounding out that in-between game and then committing to the defensive end of the floor where he also has phenomenal tools. And all of this, by the way, speaks to how crazy talented Ant is because it feels like there's a lot of areas in which he can get better and can get more consistent. And he already averaged 21-5-4 and four on reasonable efficiency as a second-year player and then was even significantly better than that in a playoff series against a higher-seeded team who they put a really solid scare into. So you could definitely tell me that Ant will be the Timberwolves' best player this year, and I would believe you, and that's as somebody who is really high on the offensive value of Carl Anthony Towns and thinks he's like a special big man in the scope of NBA history in terms of everything that he can do on that end. Ant, to me, should be all NBA. That's my expectation. And sure, we have loaded perimeter talent. Yes, this year, Logan. I think so. It's harder with people coming back, but like Ant should average 25 plus a game. His efficiency should continue to climb. His playmaking should continue to develop. He should become a better defender. The only thing that I'm not really confident in totally improving is what I talked about with the in-between game. That should get there someday. He just hasn't really shown as much development on that front. But the dude's incredibly, incredibly gifted. And I think overall, Minnesota's big three is the reason you pick them to win 50 games. I have them winning 50 as well. They're my five seed. Obviously, they lost depth. Like you said, they did supplement it but they lost two of their best defenders point blank in Jared Vanderbilt and Pat Bev, and they added a quality defender in Kyle Anderson and, of course, added the most effective, probably regular season defender on the planet in Rudy Gobert. So I agree with you. They should take a leap to be solidly top 10 on that end of the floor and then could easily be a top 10 offense as well because it's like Ant and Cat can be legitimate offensive superstars. D'Angelo Russell, sure, he has efficiency problems, but as a third option, you know, you're not doing so poorly for yourself. So that, to me, is the appeal with this team. It's that talent at the top. And then if Jaden McDaniels takes another step, and I really like Jaden McDaniels, but if he has a more consistent shooting season, if he reaches his defensive ceiling as a really gifted young player on that end, then that's a really, really quality player to have. And then the rest of their depth, you mentioned Bryn Forbes, you talk about like a Nas Reed, a Kyle Anderson. Those are all solid rotational pieces. So I think this is a really good team. I don't have them atop the Northwest, but they could be top 10 on both ends of the floor. And they have, at the end of the day, a big three that can pretty much compete with any in the conference. Yeah, I I agree, and I want to add some. Uh, I want to add some context to some of the uh, things you were saying about Ant, just on uh, pull-up jump shooting stuff like that. Ant, thirty-eight percent on jumpers last year, thirty-four percent on pull-ups, thirty-six percent on step-backs, 
33% on floaters. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, yeah, actually worse than that, Thirty like 30% on floaters. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, an area in which he can get a lot better in. And I agree with you, man. I think that toe-to-toe in a playoff series, game-to-game, Timberwolves on paper should be able to play with anybody. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Let me ask you this. What is a – I asked you this uh, about some teams yesterday. What does a successful season look like for Minnesota at the – um, on the low end, like if do they have to win a playoff series? Is making the playoff like again? This is a tough West, man. Like it a is. lot of teams are going to be disappointed. That's what it's so talented. I don't know. I I think you got to win a playoff series now that you've gone out and you've gotten Gobert and or I think this is I don't know. I think they're I think they're disappointed and I think they're going to take a look in the mirror um, if you don't come out of this with a playoff series. I agree with the assets they gave up with the existing star talent that they had with you know a young and improving player and another guy at his peak and some solid supporting pieces alongside them enough so that this team won 46 games before adding Gobert you gotta think they want to win probably in the low to mid 50s and win a playoff series that's really tough to accomplish but you gotta think that your team has at least that kind of ceiling if you're going all in like this like even in a really talented west because, I mean, that's the whole point of making a splashy move like this. It's let's raise our ceiling as high as we possibly can. And it's going to be a little weird. And uh, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but the talent is pretty undeniable. Anything else for you with Minnesota? Um, I think I'm all set. Other than, you know, I'll go on record and say I think Jordan McLaughlin kind of looks like a gnome. He does, and he looks really weirdly old, and, uh, you know, he's an okay player. Well said. Um, Why do you have the Nuggets atop the division, my friend? Oh, uh, I would love to talk about that. I will say one last thing with the Timberwolves. Their depth is okay, but I don't love it, and I think that's something that holds me back from putting them in that truly elite tier out west because we were talking about the Pelicans yesterday. I have the Pelicans winning less games in the regular season. I feel like they probably have a higher postseason ceiling. I just feel like they have, even though they have a a couple questions about depth too, I trust their big three probably a little bit more because the offensive value is so undeniable. And, you know, I like a little bit more of the versatility of their next best couple role players, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. I don't feel like, outside of Jaden McDaniels, I don't know if the Timberwolves have those kind of wings who I really like. And those players are so valuable. High-level defensive wings who can also knock down shots. Kyle Anderson brings you some of that. His shots also, though, not great. So I don't. I just don't know that they have those like complete role players who I love. And honestly, Jared Vanderbilt and Pat Bev were the closest thing last year. To me, those were the fourth and fifth best players on the team, right? So losing that is significant. I don't think that they're getting that back with Kyle Anderson and Bryn Forbes and whatever combination of new players they're introducing. So that is worth noting. Okay, I'll talk about the Nuggets. I could talk about the Nuggets all day, man. I have Denver winning 53 games, and I have them finishing as my three seed out west. I really don't think it's that hot of a take. I think that the talent that this team has is pretty remarkable. And uh, I will point to the fact that they won 48 games without Jamal Murray for a second last year. and with Just on Jokic's 
back, man. With 10 games of miserable Michael Porter Jr. I mean, it was <laughs> a one-man show and a very deserving MVP award to a guy who I think is the second best player alive right now. Undeniably a top five player alive, in my opinion, and I believe the best offensive player in basketball. So it's pretty simple. They were the number six offense in basketball last year when Monte Morris or Will Barton, take your pick, was their best perimeter initiator. Now they add Jamal Murray, who is a bona fide 20-plus point-per-game scorer, one of the most versatile bucket getters in the NBA. And, uh, I mean, a guy who last time we saw him was having a career regular season after having a postseason that is, like, universally memorable, unbelievably averaged 26-plus points per game in the 2020 playoffs in the bubble and had career playmaking production. And he didn't quite live up to that in the following regular season, but I do think he's a guy whose value goes up in the playoffs because when you need to just go take over mode, put the ball in my two best players' hands, Murray Jokic pick and roll, he can dissect that as a score, and it's an incredibly lethal combination. So you have those two. Michael Porter Jr., last time we saw him for a full season, was one of the most efficient 19-point-per-game scores we have ever seen. 63% on twos, almost 45% on threes. When he has the offensive stars alongside him, like Jokic and Murray, and he is allowed to simply feed off of them as a lethal catch-and-shooter, as a good cutter, as an offensive rebounder, I mean, there are a few third options in the NBA I would rather have. And I've always had this spiel with MPJ where I think his ceiling might be overrated because he doesn't have the dynamic athleticism to get by people. He doesn't have the playmaking to be a lead offensive option. He doesn't have the feel or the IQ, but God, can he shoot the ball at 6'10". And alongside Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, that's what I want. A guy who can quickly touch the ball and effectively bring me lightning. So I think that that is going to be up there for the best offensive big three in basketball, like genuinely. And then I really like some of the role player additions who they've made. They do lose both Morris and Will Barton. Those are good guys who have just been Denver staples over the years. And so it's going to be a little bit weird to see them gone. But why wouldn't Bones Highland be every bit as good, if not better, than those guys? I mean, this is a player who had a really impressive rookie campaign, uh, probably an underrated one, and has a dynamic shot-making skill set off the dribble with his handle, with his little bit of his fluid athleticism. Really impressive young player, in my opinion. Bruce Brown, I think, is the kind of role player who you just always want on your team and who had probably a career-best season last year and can just do a little bit of everything. Really good playmaker, good defender, good positional rebounder, a good cutter like another guy who should fit in well alongside Jokic. Yes, Logan, you're stopping me. I don't know why. I'm on a roll. No, you're rolling, and I, I love this. This is actually firing me up. I just want to give Nerd Sesh fans a peek, uh, a peek behind the curtain right now if you're listening. Um, this is just the most Carson Breber signing of all time. Carson Breber has been a Jokic fan um, since Jokic came onto the scene. Carson was also a Bruce Brown fan before anybody cared that Bruce Brown existed, bro. And I just think it's ironic because Carson, you're the first guy that I ever heard bring up Bruce Brown, and you, all the all the Swiss Army knife, all the Swiss Army knife stuff. I just think it's so funny that it's like, of course Bruce Brown went to go play with yeah. the. Knife. I bet you're, I bet you're losing your mind. I bet you're ecstatic. I'm reasonably excited, I would say. I'm optimistic. <laughs> I like Christian Brown as a first round pick. I mean, you're adding a 
athletic shooter to play with Nikola Jokic. I don't know how much more you need in a dog and a competitor and a smart guy, I would say. And, I mean, Aaron Gordon, obviously, we know what he's capable of doing as a two-way force and is really important. And he had probably a career season last year and, you know, was so important for them on the defensive end but also versatile offensively. So there's a lot of talent here, dude. And Nikola Jokic has done a whole lot of winning over the last couple of years. Sure, not at the elite level, but at the, hey, we're going to be a solid playoff team and an elite offense without that kind of talent around him, with the kind of talent that every other playoff team in the league would laugh at. I mean, he rolled out there with Monte Morris and Facundo Campazzo as his best perimeter ball handlers, and he won a playoff series. He dragged an even inferior squad to the playoffs again last year, 48 wins. Like, I don't think we can overstate what this man means to an offense. He is the best offensive big man we have ever seen. He put up 27, 14, and 8 on 66% true shooting last year. And I just think, you know, once his three-point shot stabilizes again after it trended down a bit towards the end of last year, you're not looking at a better offensive player anywhere else in basketball. And his playoff averages have been just inconscionable as well. So I'm going to bet on Jokic. <laughs> I think that that's been a pretty good bet over the last couple of years. Anybody who would hold his playoff success against him, I think is being completely foolish and short-sighted and overly simplistic. Like, yeah, he can be exploited defensively, but what he is giving you offensively is historic. I still don't think the Nuggets will be a great team defense, but they've consistently been solid on that end, and I think they could be the best offense in basketball. I mean, they might be my pick to be the best offense in basketball. They're probably my pick to be the best offense in basketball as I think about it. So I love the Nuggets, and I think seeing them healthy and reloaded is going to be terrifying, and I think that they are the kind of team that is at least going to put a real scare into people. Like Western Conference Finals should be the goal I don't know if they're quite good enough defensively to win the title, but they're good enough offensively to beat anybody. I don't know if you've seen those videos on YouTube, Carson, where it's like fall asleep to Bilber's rants. Dude, I could fall asleep to you talk about the Denver Nuggets, bro. Not because you know, you're boring, but just because compliment. I'm just so No, I'm so entranced, bro. I am I'm literally just I could just all day. Um I actually think I've underrated the Nuggets and you're you're good, man. I have them at 47 <laughs> wins in the seven seed. No, I'm serious. Like, I, I think I've underrated. I mean, I just I, I get to thinking about what a burden it has been for Jokic with so little talent around him and how hard it has been to just drag this team to the finish line every single game. And that's what I I really want to stress on and actually why I think I've underrated them. Um, defensively, I think this team is going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be great because Jokic is at the five, but effort-wise, if it's there, I think they can be close to top 10, honestly. You've got Aaron Gordon. You've got KCP. You've got the Bruce Browns of the world. You've got guys that are going to get it, uh, that are going to give effort. But, again, I can't stress enough. Game to game last year, game to game two years ago, when Jokic has not had pieces around him, every game is a fucking slog, and it's really impressive that they've gotten to 48 wins, that they have been close to 50 with so little talent around them. That's why I think, I think I'm wrong. I think I probably should have had them where I have the Clippers or the T-Wolves or the Suns maybe, like not to spoil my rankings, but I actually don't know how this team doesn't win 50 wins. I mean, Jokic has 
Games are going to be easy. There are going to be games where the Nuggets have a 20-point lead or a 15-point lead going into the fourth quarter. That has just not Mm -hmm. happened because when Jokic is not on the floor, this team blows. I don't expect them to be great with Jokic off the floor again. Um, I don't know if I'm as high as you are, Carson, on the depth and on the bench of this team. Like, uh, I, I really do worry, if I'm being serious, I do worry about the uh, front court depth off the bench. Uh, I mean, who, is it Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan? I mean, who are your bench fours yeah, and fives? I hope DeAndre Jordan doesn't play too much. It's uh, mostly Jeff Green and, uh, you know, sprinkle a little bit of Boogie Cousins in there. And I guess Zeke Naji maybe. I don't know. I don't love oh, of that. Of Zeke um, Naji. Yeah, I, I really like Zeke Naji, actually. I should have mentioned him. Yeah, I, I do, too. Um Outside of that, though, I do like the guard depth, man. You mentioned Christian Brown. Uh, you mentioned how, how can you not like Bones Highland, man? And I just love the—I um, don't know, man. This is this is weird, but kind of kind of a bigger scope kind of thing. I like the energy, man. That like Bones Highland and Tyrese Maxey bring, man. I just like watching those guys play ball because they've always got a smile on their face, man. They just look happy to be out on the court, and uh, just like they love the game. Bones is nasty though, and I expect a little bit of a leap from him. Um, so I guess I, I don't love the depth here. I don't love the bench. I don't love the backup front court pieces here. But how do they not get better? Yeah. I guess is is where is the conclusion that I should have reached. <laughs> You're, I, I should have reached. I made them worse. I have them winning one less game. The West Certainly. is tougher. I, I again, the West is super tough. But I do think I undershot them a little bit. Um, I probably should have them closer to the. I, again, they just they're so much better. The depth is better from last year, even though I don't love it. The stars are here with MPJ and Jamal and. I don't know, man. Like I, let me ask you this: You're a big Nuggets guy. You've been a big Nuggets guy, Carson. Is a, is this team a Finals contender? I, I think so. And I should correct myself. Also, I said they were the three seed for me earlier. I have them as the two seed. I uh, had to fifty three wins. wins. You know, I had to move around some wins, and I said I'm not taking any away from the Nuggets because I look at this offensive firepower. I think that this is, I mean, this is the best team that they've had. Like. I don't know if we need to go ahead and remind everybody, but they made the Western Conference Finals. They beat the Jazz and the Clippers, two very, very strong teams uh, at the time, with MPJ basically being uh, like uh, you know a completely underdeveloped role player. Like he was not starting for that team, and their supporting pieces were better. I mean, you know, Jeremy Grant was a really quality two-way wing for them at that time. Although, actually, were their pieces better? I don't know. Like, I think I like their overall depth a little bit more then, but their talent at the top is better because Jokic is better. MPJ is a completely different player. Aaron Gordon, I mean, he's at least as good as as Jeremy Grant was. And I do really like their young supporting pieces. So I just think this is the best team they've had. And the last time we saw them healthy, they made the Western Conference Finals. And again, it's just like they have the potential to be so much better than that now, especially as Bones and Najee continue to develop, I would be terrified. I would be very scared if I'm anybody else. Like, to me, they are firmly in the absolute top tier of Western Conference teams. They are one of the three teams I would be most scared of come playoff time. And, uh, yeah, the only thing that questions me is can they get to a really high level defensively? But, I mean, they've, they haven't been a below-average defense in... Well, they've been given yeah. effort, man. The Nuggets no, try they, they hard. They haven't been a below-average defense since they became like a legitimate playoff team, since Jokic came close to his initial peak. Obviously, you don't have any insider information um, 
like well, I don't know stuff if I would like say this that. and and I Okay, maybe you do. Maybe you do. I don't want to get into like uh, too big of like hypotheticals here. Are you nervous at all with Jamal and MPJ coming back after such significant injuries? Do you think there's an adjustment period at all? Like, are any of those things concern you? Mildly. At the same time, MPJ has basically been hurt since he came into the league. I mean, he doesn't have any sort of uh, like normal range of motion or explosiveness. <laughs> like his back has been stiff as can be since he came into the league. So as long as he's healthy enough to play, like I'm not worried about some sort of permanent loss of athleticism. That already happened, unfortunately, when the guy was like 18 years old. And Jamal, I don't know, man. I mean... Good God, he's had a long time to recover. Yeah, when's the last time we saw him play? It was April. So it's been 17 months. It'll be 18 months by the time that he plays. Like, if that's not enough time, then sadly, I, I don't know when we'll ever see the same Jamal Murray. But he's young, and of course he's athletic. A lot of his game is really skill-based, though. And, like, he's a special pull-up jump shooter. Mm -hmm. He does need, I think, the quickness, and, like, that obviously helps him. But it's not what his game is predicated upon so i'm really high on the nuggets man i love the nuggets shall we move on or do you have anything else yeah okay who do you have next who do you got third in the northwest <laughs> yeah okay now that we have fallen all the way out of the playoff picture um i've got the portland trailblazers um i have them missing the playoffs uh <laughs> Spoiler, I got my Kings making the play-in, baby. Get 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 hype. Um I got the Trailblazers barely barely missing out um on the playoffs. I think I don't know, man. There's a lot of questions uh that I've got about the Blazers obviously. Damian Lillard comes back, um is not afraid of the grind. Um comes back here to Portland. Um you know, he's not good last year. Damian struggled. Um I'm expecting you know, throwback yeah. Damian Lillard, you know, um, I, I'm expecting him to be great. He shot 40% from the field, 32% from deep, um, 24 points a game. I mean, it's a very tough situation as always, but that's just not what you expect out of Damian. You expect a much more efficient guy. And, and you know what? I don't even, I don't even want to, I don't want people to extrapolate that and make it a bigger deal than it is because a lot of guys open a new season and struggle in the first, you know, two months of the year. So I don't even think that's a big a deal. I think that I think Dame comes back, and I think he's there, – there, there is a point, you know, like at that age 30 mark, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, um, where guards do fall off. That does scare me, but I'm not expecting a major fall off from Damian Lillard. That being said, we would need an MVP-level effort, in my opinion, from Damian Lillard to get this team to playoff contention. I mean, you got a lot of guys who I think are going to work hard. Um, Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart, Gary Payton II um, – I think they're guys that are going to play hard and give you a lot of effort defensively. Um, and I think that uh, a guy like Ant Simons, uh, who started alongside him, again, Carson uh, is very very early to these basketball trends. I was on the Ant Simons train before a lot of people did a great breakdown on his game on YouTube, which you guys can check out. Um, uh, you expect Ant Simons to be a star. I expect him to be a star as well. Um, 20 points per game, I think, is not uh, out of the picture again this season. He was tearing it up uh, the second half of last season. He averaged 17 on the year. Um, four assists a game, very, very efficiently, over 40% from deep. So uh, I'm expecting improvement from him as well. I think, you know, I think they're going to be a fun team. you got a young guy like Shaden Sharp to watch, but I'm going to be honest. The depth here blows. I hate mm -hmm. it. Having Nas Little as your eighth guy or 
Oh, no, man. Eric Bledsoe. Like Nas Little slander? Yeah, Nas Little Nas slander. Nas Little is solid. It's just he's mid. He's mid. What do you expect their eighth guy to be? That's true. But <laughs> Frankie Cappuccino? You don't just find a Frankie Cappuccino strolling down the street and say, hey, I want to be the last guy in my playoff rotation, pal? That's essentially- I think Nas Little's a perfectly respectable eighth guy. In fact, I think he might be their seventh guy. I don't know what the hell Shaden Sharp's going to look like. We haven't even seen that guy play college basketball. He's a freak athlete, though. I'll tell you that, <laughs> sharp, I'll tell you that much. But as a rookie, I don't know. So, basically what I'm saying is I wish Frankie Cappuccino was the eighth guy instead of Nas Little. There you go. Um, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a very middling team. Um, I like Chauncey leading the charge. Uh, they were dead last in defense last season. I don't know why they wouldn't be. I mean, the Blazers <laughs> were not a very effort-intensive team. That's going to come down to effort. I think this is probably a... Um, bottom 20 defense, you know, uh, you've got Nurkic at the five too. like, um, and then on the offensive end, if they can scratch top 10, maybe you're looking at a play in, but I mean, again, that's a superhuman effort, in my opinion, from Lillard, from Ant Simons, it'd be a huge carry job, in my opinion, if this team makes the play in, I think flat out, I think that it sucks for them because the West is so deep this year. Traditionally, I think the Blazers would be in this 10 or 9 spot. But with the Kings' improvement, with the improvement from other teams in the West, I think they're the best of the worst teams. You know what I mean? You're literally in no man's wow. land right here, and I think it's a bad spot to be. Maybe you disagree, but I think they are the best of the worst teams because every team below them, in my opinion, I have the Thunder, the Rockets, the Spurs, and spoiler, I have the Jazz below them too. I think they're all definitively worse than the Blazers, but I don't think the Blazers are anywhere close to being as good as any of the playoff teams or play-in teams. I mean, do you disagree? What? You don't think the Blazers are close to being as good as the Sacramento Kings? Well, yeah, obviously they are, brother, the Kings. But I'm like, I'm trying to be optimistic this year. I think the Kings are going to win 40 games. So what's your official win prediction uh, for the Blazers? 33 wins, 11 seed. Ooh, I think you're low, brother, man. Let's do a quick little thought exercise, okay? Yeah. How inferior is this roster to the 2019 Blazers, who won 53 games and went to the Western Conference Finals, okay? Damian Lillard. Damian is slightly regressed. Has he? I'm not so sure because, I mean, the two years prior to this really weird injury-riddled season on a terrible team, Dame was, like, inarguably better than he was in that run. His last full two fully healthy seasons, he was 29-8, and eight on better than 62% true shooting. Totally took a step as a playmaker and upped his scoring production too. So I don't want to forget who Dame is. Like, that is a guy who has carried his team to the playoffs every single year and has been among the league's most productive offensive players every single year with some rosters that really you've always shrugged at. CJ, I love CJ, dude. I don't think Ant Simons is at all a small step down. I mean, what? second half of the season... Ant Simons was 23-6 and six on 61% true shooting. He's one of the best pick-and-roll ball handlers in basketball. He's one of the most special pull-up jump shooters in basketball. He's got a nasty in-between game. He's really quite a quick athlete. He doesn't weaponize it all that much by getting downhill, but guess who else didn't get downhill? C.J. McCollum. And I think he's a better playmaker than C.J. Than C.J.? So, than C.J., yeah. I mean, C.J.'s gotten better and I think is honestly showing it more in New Orleans but Ant was the primary ball handler for this team for half the year and he crushed it I mean he produced like an all-star offensively I think that's one of the most dynamic backcourts in the NBA point blank 
people are talking about Ant as a sixth man of the year candidate. Ant's the second best player on this team. Like, put him and Dame out there together. Sure, stagger their minutes. Yeah, guess what? There's going to be defensive problems. I don't know how you can avoid the defensive problems. They always had them with Dame and CJ. And I think you lean into having your best offensive talent out there. And that indisputably includes um, Ant Simons. Okay? Nurkic is not quite what he was. I will concede that. But it's not like a major step back, in my opinion. Then you have Jeremy Grant, who was certainly significantly better than any wing on that team. Like, Aminu and Mo Harkless formed a really, really good defensive tandem. That was huge. I think that's why that was the best Blazers Mm -hmm. team yet, because it was their best defense on the wings yet, and defense was always their massive issue. Jeremy Grant, when we saw him in Denver, was a pretty darn good defender and a way more offensive game than either of those guys. Obviously, he scored 20 a game for the last two years. And I think... Once you bring him back to that third option level, arguably even fourth option, and he can be that 3 and D wing with some creation, you know, attacking closeouts, the occasional pull-up jumper, because that's really where he struggled when he was forced to be like a lead wing. I think he's going to be great. I think he can be an efficient 15-point-per-game scorer and a really good defender. And then his contract doesn't look so bad, and you're like, yeah, I really like him as our third best player. And, I mean, the rest of that 2019 Blazers roster was unimpressive. You had Seth Curry not nearly at his best. You had Ennis Cantor. I mean, that was pretty much the playoff rotation, wasn't it? Rodney Hood was in there. A little bit of Zach Collins and Myers Leonard. My point isn't that this team is going to win 53 games and go to the Western Conference Finals because the West is better than it was back then. And that was kind of even a flukish win, a flukish run back then. A little bit, I would say. They had a favorable... Uh, draw overall but is this roster 20 games worse than that I don't think so at all I think I like this roster pretty much as much as I've liked any Blazers roster ever and if Dame is what he was for the two years before last season and if Ant Simons is what I think he is then dude Josh Hart and Gary Payton are I mean perfect role players dare I say like who does their job better than those two guys around the league there's not a whole lot of options going to bust their ass on both ends of the floor. Josh Hart's going to rebound the hell out of the ball, knock down open shots, make good decisions as a playmaker. GP2 is going to clamp up defensively and cut like a wild man on offense and just take really smart, efficient looks. So I I like that top six. I'll tell you one thing. This roster is more talented than the Lakers roster. I don't even think it's I don't even think it's very close. Now the Lakers happen to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but I think these two teams are firmly in the same tier. I would go my eight playoff teams, Lakers and Blazers as pretty clear play-in teams, then Kings, then you have the seller four. I think this team is, no offense, somewhat clearly better than the Kings. No! Because I think, yeah, they have like a legitimate offensive superstar who always carries his team to the playoffs when healthy. And I like their role players more, and their second through fourth players are also pretty damn good. And Shaden Sharp is immensely talented. And, I mean, dude, if he is just the athlete that we know he is, the pure shooter that we know he is, and the defender that he was in high school, well, obviously he won't be, like, comparably dominant because he's taking a huge leap, but if he's, like, a good defensive rookie, which given his athleticism, his competitiveness, how he competed on that end in high school, he very well could be, then guess what? That's a good role player right there. And Nas Little's fine. And boom, we're eight deep. So 
I still only have this team winning 40 games. I have them as my 10 seed, but I don't see how they only win 33. I, I think that that is disrespectful. The West <laughs> is too good for them to like make any sort of noise, but they are too good to be thrown into the best of the worst teams. I mean, good Lord, Logan. They're not bro, exactly I just didn't supposed to be brought the up Kings with the Houston there again Rockets. this year, bro. I don't want the Kings to be there. Well, guess what? They belong there more. Yeah, I know, than this and they're team. gonna be there at the end of the year. And I'm just like getting my hopes up again because of Fox and Sabonis. Yeah, I, I know. I, the Blazers are gonna make the. I'll will tell you what's gonna happen right now. The Blazers are gonna Please. make the play in. The Kings are gonna miss it. I'm gonna cry, and then we're gonna you know <laughs> go on about our days. Yeah, I just this is kind of more like of what I want to happen than anything else. Um, I mean, I think that if that's always a good way to predict because the Steelers won the Super Bowl last year, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this is different. I'm predicting the Kings to win 40 games. I mean, if that doesn't... <laughs> yeah, all right, that is different. What's different, bro? Um, the Steelers are not going to win another game this year. Um, yeah, yeah. May, I think you're right. I think I'm underselling this roster a little bit, but if Damian Lillard isn't... Let me ask you this, man. If, like, Damian... Damian's... Let me ask you this. If Would you rather have Kyrie Irving or Damian Lillard? Damian Lillard. Actually. Are you serious? Yeah. I just... Don't know what to make of last year from Dame, and I'm not going to overvalue it. Would you rather have Dame or Trey Young? I think Dame. Really? That surpri- yeah. that one really surprises me. Okay, so what is Dame like three or would you rather have Dame or John Morant? <sighs> I mean, again, this is where it's like, how do you value last season for Dame? But I'll tell you one thing: I would rather have Dame from two and three years ago than John Morant. Like, the last two full seasons of Dame, I would have above okay. everybody at the point guard position except for Steph Curry. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not predicting, like, a downfall, and I don't want to take too much. I mean, but if Dame isn't – I don't know. If Dame isn't at his – where he was two years ago, I think this team does struggle, like, a lot. Um, that's why I was so low, is I'm not expecting Dame to be MVP-level superstar Dame. And maybe that's short-sighted of me. Maybe I'm taking too much from last year, but uh, – It's tough to say, I think. That's why I have them at such a low mark, because I think if Dame is not at its superstar MVP level, I think this is a lot harder for the Blazers to be a really good team. That being said, I somehow predicted the Kings to win 40 games. So who fucking cares what I think, right? Yeah, well, we all have our flaws. No, listen, the Kings have a very (laughs) solid roster, but I think the Blazers have a better roster. And I think Dame could take, you know, 5 to 10% of a step back from what he was two and three years ago, and this team would still win 40 games. Like, I don't think he has to be as superhuman as he was then, but he certainly has to be better than what he was last year. And I fully expect, I mean, dude, we saw a 29 game sample size. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's freakishly poor perimeter shooting. I think you can attribute to a huge portion of Dame's struggles, the kind of stuff that just, you know, from one of the literal best shooters we've ever seen. It is random too. I mean, it was, like I said, man, a lot of guys struggle in the first two months. Yeah, precisely. But I like the Blazers. I think they're going to be feisty. I love their backcourt. And uh, I really like their role guys. And, I mean, the thing is, I don't know where they're elite. You know, I don't know if they can be an elite offense. I think they can be a borderline top 10 offense. I think they have one of the best backcourts offensively. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's talent around them. But Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart, GP2, none of those guys are elite shooters. Obviously, you don't have a floor spacing five. So I worry a bit about, like, you know, maximizing the value of their backcourt just with the supporting pieces. I still think they'll do pretty well. And then defensively, you know, 
Uh, they're fighting an uphill battle. I would expect them to be probably 20th in the league defensively. Maybe a, They're going to be mediocre. But I think mediocre is a win for them when they were, you know, historically bad. Because adding Hart, adding GP2, adding Jeremy Grant, those are legitimate pluses defensively, and that matters. Okay. I'm excited about the Blazers, though. I got to say. I, I think that this is going to be a fun team. And I'm glad that Dame isn't being left with nothing, which it kind of seemed like was going to be the case for a second there. All right. Now we're into the cellar. So... Who do you have next? Uh, I've got the Oklahoma City Thunder at uh, my 12 seed right behind uh, Portland with 25 wins. Um, And I don't know, man. I guess let's just talk about the young guys that they have because I don't – the Thunder are not going to be good. Um, I don't know if they're going to be fun to watch considering what Sam Presti and company did last season when they benched Shea. I know Shea got hurt or whatever, but – uh, I mean, this team was trotting out just randos um, towards the end yeah. of the year. So, um, Oklahoma City's not going to be not going to be good, but hopefully, we can see some of this young talent progress. Uh, the big thing, obviously, looking forward. I, I know you were excited, Carson. I was very excited. You said Chet might be, uh, you know, one of the best prospects you've ever evaluated in your life, and I was really excited to watch him play this year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Chet suffers a Liz Frank injury. Um, to his right foot and uh, it, not the Lizzo injury bro got the Lizzo injury it's an injury that uh, obviously the most famous person to get it was Kevin Durant um the least famous Lizzo. person to have it happen to was my dad um <laughs> also suffered the uh, exact same injury it's tough it's tough to come back from it is the bone that goes over your foot and uh or like connects uh basically your ankle and your foot and it's it's a hard injury to come back from a lot of people need um screws uh put into their foot uh it's what they ended up doing screw loose pal i do have a screw (laughs) loose i got a few screws loose um the one in my dad's foot is tight though because they had to get his foot right because of the liz frank injury right (laughs) Right. (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen but i mean it can make um it can make it really hard to move around it makes shit really stiff so i hope that i hope that chet comes back from that he doesn't lose a whole lot of mobility and stuff and i hope that he still has that same lateral quickness and can be a force on the defensive end because honestly, man, I mean, we talk about, and again, we're honestly looking a year in the future if we're talking about Chet's game again, but uh, defensively, I Are am... Are you talking about Chet Hanks? Who? Chet Hanks. Did Chet Hanks get the Lizzo injury? <laughs> who is that? Yeah, Chet Hanks. I actually don't know who that is, Carson. Anyway. <laughs> um, Tom Hanks' son. Is it actually... <laughs> oh, this yes. guy, bruh. Never mind. Um... <laughs> I didn't know that Jimmy had the Lizzo injury. <laughs> Shut up. It's hard to come back from, bro. You lose a lot of mobility. My dad started moving slow after that happened to him, bro. He was already moving slow. He's like 50. Um, I don't want to see that happen to Chet. He's a young man. Um, so anyway. <laughs> Not a great actor. <laughs> There's a lot of other young talent, bro. Oklahoma City Thunder segment. I like uh, I like the Yang. I like Trey Mann. I like uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I liked Ty Jerome before they shipped him off to Houston. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Trey Mann a lot. I think Trey's going to be. Uh, I think Trey's going to be special this year. Uh, I think that. I think Shea gets better. A lot of people think that Shea has uh, the superstar ceiling. I don't really see that with Shea. I think that. I think 
I think Shea struggles with his jump shot a little too much right now. He was one of the most inefficient jump shooters in all of basketball last season, um, off the catch, off the pull-up. And it's a hard situation. I want to emphasize that, too. It is a very hard situation. Yeah. He is the guy with the ball in his hands all the time. He's got a very big burden on him. So hopefully that maybe that changes in a better situation. I don't know if I see a superstar ceiling with Shea, but again, this is his team. It's his roster. He's going to take that leap. What a better scenario than here for him to improve on his game. And there's a lot of young guys, again, to like. Uh, Diang, who is... 6'10", a fluid athlete, 220 with a little bit of a handle. When his shot is going, he's an impact player. He's a lot of fun to watch. Josh Giddy is here. He's a special passer. I hope he improves his scoring arsenal. That's really all he is missing. And like I said, I mean, there's a lot. There's so much young talent here. Um, but it's it's going to be ugly like it was last year. Um, this team's going to stink, but we'll see who improves. Who are you looking? Is there anybody specific that you're looking to break out this year that you think takes a uh, a big leap out of this crew of young guys? I think Giddy is the man to watch, and I think people are going to be disappointed because I think that kind of the reality with Giddy is that he came onto the scene and showed immediately his incredible skill, which is his otherworldly passing, which is the thing that made me initially fall in love with him as a prospect when he was being talked about as a guy who was going to go, you know, at the very end of the first round. And then he goes sixth overall and is one of the most glaringly flawed scorers that I think we've seen drafted that high in quite some time. I mean, especially, you know, given how loaded that class is. Like, he is by no metric a good jump shooter. I mean, certainly not pulling up, right? Like, literally the way that his shot is configured currently, he cannot shoot a fluid pull-up jumper. And he's not an overly impressive athlete. So it's pretty hard to see how he's going to score the basketball at even an average level and an average efficiency in my opinion. So that's the thing to watch though. I mean, if he can figure some of that stuff out because he's probably the most intriguing developing young guy, just because Shea is so good that we pretty much know what he is. I mean, you're right about the jump shooting consistency. That's the one thing, but in terms of just, hey, I can get into the lane pretty much whenever I want and I'm a pretty good passer and I can give you 23 a night. Uh, like, we know that Shea is going to do that. The biggest thing was just his efficiency literally went from being, like, elite to horrible because he went from being a, 50, a 42% three-point shooter to a 30% three-point shooter over the course of one season. I think he falls pretty firmly in the middle. I think he should be around that 35-36% range. But, yeah, I mean, his raw production should be good, and he's the main reason I have this team winning as many games as they do because he's flat out way better than the best player on any of these other bottom-tier teams in the Western Conference. Like, Jazz, Rockets, Spurs, I'm sorry, none of them have a Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Outside of that, though, this roster is um, quite underdeveloped, and, uh, you know... Lou Dort's their second best player, and I like me a little bit of Lou Dort, but he's still a weirdo. And uh, Jang is interesting, but super talented, super raw, though. I mean, in the NBL, he was sub 40% from the field and 27% from deep, and that's a really good league, but like, I think that just tells you consistency of the shot making has a long way to go. No chat. So it's like another season in the cellar for the Thunder. And part of this will come down to how much do they compete. That's the reason I have them above the Jazz, honestly, is I think they'll compete harder. And a lot of times with the worst teams, it can come down to who has the best player and who is going to, you know, grind more on defense pretty much. That's why the Thunder won 24 games last year. 
They were an abysmal offense, but they were 18th in defensive rating, and they really scrapped out there some nights, although they did also play like 30 guys over the course of the season because by the end of the year, the last four games was just a joke. Like they weren't playing NBA players at all. But I I think that they will probably compete similarly. I think SGA will win them to a decent amount of wins. And uh, I have them winning 20 games. I have them finishing 13th. How many games do you have them winning? I got him at 25 is my 12 seed. Mm. I don't know, man. Tw- Dude, 20 to the Thunder, 16 to the Spurs. Man, my boy was yeah. stingy with it. Dude, well, I mean, do you have more wins to give out than I do? No, I'm at 12.30 and 12.30. I think mine is just a little more, you know. No, that's what I'm – well, I was joking. I hope that you don't have more wins to give I out gave than out, I do. I, <laughs> yeah, I gave up 4,000 wins, bro. No, 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 that's no good. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that this team isn't very talented right now, like in terms of long-term talent, sure, but don't you feel like they kind of overperformed winning 24 games last year? And oh, big time. They didn't get better because they don't have Chet, and Jang isn't a factor right now. And, you know, maybe SGA is a little healthier, but that's kind of the only difference. Quick trivia time. Where did the Oklahoma City Thunder play at? What do you mean, the the – uh, like the name of their arena? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did it just change? No, I've just never heard. I just no, I, I just did not. Then it's the it's the Paycom Center. I did not know that's what it was called, bro. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was before was, that because that's it's pretty Chesapeake. New. It was Chesapeake Energy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Chesapeake Energy. That's right. Yeah, it changed last year, so it's pretty new. Um, cool, great trivia. Yeah, thanks, dude. I. 20 games. I mean, what do you have to you have the Jazz winning less? Yeah. Wow. I think the Jazz suck. Listen, dude, I'm going for some disparity in my picks, okay? I want there to be elite teams and I want there to be bad teams. And I still don't have like a 60-win team this year cuz there isn't a team whose roster like completely stands out in a different tier, you know? Like there's just so much talent, but I'm going to make the playoff teams the playoff teams and if I got to chop a couple wins off the Thunder and the Spurs, so be it. Logan, I'll freaking do it. I, I actually, I'm I, cut, bro. I think I'm gonna call an audible here. Okay, I'm gonna call an audible. I love this. I'm, I'm actually gonna. I, I think I'm gonna switch the Thunder and the Jazz right now. Okay. Okay. All right. I think I'm gonna make. I think I'm gonna give the Thunder 19 wins, and they're gonna be my 15 seed. And I think the Jazz are gonna be my 12 seed, and they're gonna win um 25. Oh. Whoa, you're fully you're fully swapping I, them? Actually, I think I'm going to go with a full swap here, yeah. Actually, Holy <coughs> shit. Actually, no. <laughs> well, we already put out, I was going to say, I was going to take a few from the Rockets and Spurs. Since we already put those picks out, yeah, I'm going to do a full swap. Thunder and Jazz, six-game six game, uh, slide. Can you explain why such a dramatic change? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the Jazz roster right now, and I don't think they're worse than the Thunder. They're more talented for sure. I'll explain why. I, 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 I get the I get the effort factor, and I definitely yes. think that is definitely relevant. All the young guys and how hungry they are. I think the Jazz are just flat out just more talented, bro. I I actually don't hate the Jazz roster. They are more talented. It's kind of it's kind of okay. Uh, well, here's the thing, Logan. Why are they not going to be like a bottom three defense in the league? They got Walker Kessler, man. <laughs> they do have Walker Kessler, one of the great college shot blockers of uh, 
the last decade. Here's the thing with the Jazz. It's a very decent collection of offensive talent if you're looking at individual pieces, right? I mean, you have Jordan Clarkson, you have Colin Sexton, you have Malik Beasley, you have Mike Conley. But I mean, those first three names, there's almost a laughable redundancy in skill set when you're looking at score first, jump shooting guards, not even competent playmakers. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to build my offense around that. Like, sure, first of all, you can't play those guys together, right? You're looking at horrible defense and you're looking at no sort of offensive cohesion. They might as well be playing one-on-one a vast majority of the game. All three of those guys, except for Conley. And unfortunately, Conley's just not that good anymore. Yeah. And then uh, their team defense is going to be abysmal. Like, literally looking up and down this roster... Jared Vanderbilt is the only established plus defender. And, you know, if you want to bet on uh, Ochai and Walker Kessler being that, I I think they will be long-term. But as rookies, not a lot of rookies who are, like, legitimately above-average NBA defenders. So I do think it comes down to uh, the Thunder are going to play harder on defense. And, like... I don't think the Thunder are going to be able to score, dude. They won't. They couldn't score last year. I know. I think, it's gonna, I think it's going to happen again. I think it will, too. But guess what? They won more games than the Rockets, who were a more talented offensive team. Uh, that's true. I think the Jazz they are... played competent defense. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just think the Jazz just have more bucket getters, man. St- Stanley, they do. Stanley, they have way more bucket getters. Stanley Johnson's a plus defender. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Great. They so have they have three... <laughs> Stanley Johnson and Jared Vanderbilt. And Ochai. But yeah, he's a rookie. We don't know. I don't know, man. And they have Jared Butler, you know? I mean, of course, they have Laurie Markkinen, too, who's like a a talented offensive player. But I just look at that, and I think, sure, they have better names. It it doesn't mean almost anything to me. I'm excited to see Colin Sexton. You know, like, let's see what he looks like. He had a really good year before um, last year. Obviously, he was bad and then got hurt. But the year before that, he was like 24 a game on solid efficiency. And he plays, you know, a, a selfish brand of basketball, but he can score that thing. Yeah, I mean, Sexton, Beasley, and Clarkson honestly feels like kind of a, a definitely a redundant trio in the backcourt. That being said, I don't know, man. They are going to have shooting. I, I get what you mean fundamentally, the offense versus defense debate here. And the big man situations. Oh, it's ass. It's ass, dude. It's actually you're counting on Doke and Kessler immediately. And the defensive And Doke is hurt. And the defense on the perimeter is non existent. It is non existent. Walker Kessler leads the NBA in blocks this year. <laughs> Gobert two point is what they would need to be uh, the twentieth best defense in the NBA. <laughs> um Wow, so I mean, can can you reiterate for me again? What's your what's your seating here? What's what's the uh, win win total? I have the Jazz at nineteen and sixty three. I have them as the fourteen seed, and I do not deny that they have better offensive talent. I mean, you could argue them winning twenty five games. I'm not going to push back against that because their offensive talent is better. But I also think there's a possibility we see, since they care so little. Them being very liberal with I mean, sitting do you, guys. Do you think? Do you? I mean, they have a new head coach. Will Hardy steps in here. Do you think that there's? I don't know. That they're just going to throw in the towel off Rip. Do you look at this collection of players and think what a bunch of committed winners and unselfish? No, there's not personal. one here. There's actually not one. That's my point. Maybe Mike so, Conley. 
No, no. Actually, never mind. <laughs> no, there actually is. There, that's a good point. There's actually Johnny Juzang is is the best winner here. Yeah. So I won't push back. I won't say you're a fool for having them win 25 games because when I first looked at just the names on this roster, like after the um, Gobert and Donnie trades, I thought, well, they, you know, they have some some pretty good basketball players in a vacuum. I think together, it's going to be not so great. 19 is a low number. It's a low number. Um, did anybody in the NBA win under 20 games last year? The um, it's a good question. It's all scurry to look because uh, I don't think so, right? Um, 20 wins, Houston. Yeah, that's the worst. So so picking, uh, I have two teams winning fewer, but I, I, I'm, I'm betting on, this, on the, the disparity growing this year. Yeah, well, it's got to happen at some point, right? And it now is as good a point as ever. I mean, the Spurs launching a full rebuild, the Jazz launching a full rebuild. Right, we have some horrible, we have some really bad teams this year. Well, I mean, even compared to like five years ago, I look at the yeah. talent with some of them, yeah. and I think like, oh, you know, it's okay. Like, that's what I was saying. Like, if you didn't tell me I had to pick an amount of uh, the proper number of wins collectively for the league, you could talk me in any team picking them to win 30 games. The Thunder might be the hardest because... Their talent's pretty bad. No, I actually, I would, no. I would, you could not talk me into that at all. Yeah. But SGA, SGA, cheers to SGA. Um, I, yeah, you know what? I, I think I think you're right for the most part. I mean, I think this, this is going to be a decent three-point shooting team. I think they are going to get buckets. I think we're going to see some, you know, some 120 to 130 games or some 120 to one where they're just getting lit up um, even mm-hmm. worse. I don't, there's just... There are, I mean, you said it, there's a lot of individual pieces that I like in a vacuum here. I like Jared Vanderbilt. I like Sexton. I like Ochai. I like Stanley. Jared, I like damn near every guy on this roster. It just, yeah. that's why, I don't know. I can't have him in the cellar because I actually, damn near every guy on this list, I, I you know, there's a positive. If it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker, if it's Markinen, if it's Saban Lee, I, I don't know. There's Saban Lee. In my opinion, they're a little... Yeah, they are more talented. That's why I'm going to give them more wins. I'll leave it at that. I think you're right. Their defense, this is probably the worst defense in the NBA. And actually, not probably, this will be. Them are in, I don't know, I was going to say Indiana, but they have Miles Turner. Yeah, this is probably going to be the worst defense in the league. Uh, I think I'm going to change one win Ooh. in my predictions. Just because I want to do something spicier for the playoffs. I'm going to... This is purely selfish. This is purely so that I can feel better about my predictions overall. I'm going to bump the Nuggets down a win, bump the Suns up a win, which flips my two and three seeds. Because I want a certain first-round matchup for a certain somebody so I can get a little bit spicy. Um. Okay, so Nuggets three seed, 52 wins. Yes. <laughs> God, that's a haunting yes. Yeah, so because I'm gonna get spicy. That's, there's something sinister uh, on your mind, bro. I'm a very sinister character. Well, just a certain Instagram comment reminded me of how I want to get spicy. Okay, uh, <laughs> any final thoughts on the Northwest Division, Logan? Before we wrap this thing on up, uh, they suck. Well, the bottom two teams are really quite horrible. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us here today. Hope you guys have enjoyed this little bit of uh, NBA preview content from us. As always, 
You can find us in a number of places. TikTok at Nerd Sesh is probably the spot I would recommend you to go the most. That and this podcast right here where we're going to be coming out with the most content. But of course, we'll continue our NBA preview content up to that season launch date on October 19th. And then we'll stop entirely and not talk about the season at all. We are only interested in preseason predictions. (laughs) You can... Check us out on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh, Instagram at nerd sesh. We're posting graphic content with all of our predictions there and also might uh, drop a little bit of video content from some of these pods. You can always uh, sign up for SoBet. You will find the link to that in our uh, newly set up link tree, which has really all the relevant nerd sesh links in uh, really our bio anywhere. So go ahead and check that out. It's a subscription sports betting service where you get picks from us and a bunch of other influencers, a bunch of betting experts, um, pretty regular content there. So you can go ahead and check that out. There's a lot of good stuff. You can sign up with our referral code NerdSesh. And uh, yeah, stay tuned in for the pods. Stay tuned in for the talks. Stay tuned in for the tweets. With that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.